Turn with me, friends, now to this passage that we read. And I'll read again one verse, 21. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Friends, my theme for today is touching the bones of Elisha. Touching the bones. Well, you see, that's got nothing to do with me. But I believe it does. I believe it's something that we must all do. I hope you will all touch the bones of Elisha. You boys and girls will remember some of the great things that Elisha did. Do you remember when the axe head flew off in the water in the river? What happened? Elisha threw in a stick. The axe floated. You never saw that, did you? An axe floating. Well, that's what happened. And his friend reached out and got the axe. There was the time when the boy was out in the field and he got like sunstroke. He collapsed. And he was the only boy. And he was an answer to the prayer of Elisha and the prophecy of Elisha. His mother took him and put him up in the bed where Elisha slept when he visited. And when Elisha came, he brought him to life again. Or the time when Naaman, don't you know about Naaman? The great soldier from Syria, he arrived wanting to be healed. The king said, I can't do anything. Elisha said, let me, send him to me. He said to Naaman, wash seven times in the river. What? What river? The river Jordan, wasn't it? He didn't want to, but then he was persuaded and wonderfully the leprosy was gone on the seventh dip into the river Jordan. The wonderful ministry of Elisha, but friends and boys and girls, it's all coming to an end. Elisha's on his deathbed. There's no chariot of fire. There's no whirlwind from heaven. He dies in his bed. Elisha. It's all over, it seems. But no, it wasn't all over. And that's what we're reading about today. But first of all, I want to mention two other things. I'm going to look at the the weapons of Elisha. Then the hands of Elisha. Then the bones of Elisha. So we'll start off, friends, with the weapons of Elisha. What are the weapons? Here's a prophet. 
He doesn't go around with a sword, does he? Or with a spear? Ah, friends. But the king recognized the weapons of Elisha. It says here that when the king Joash came down and wept over his face, he said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Wow, do you see that? Yes, the chariots and horsemen. Elisha was equivalent, yes, more than chariots and horsemen. A chariot was the most fierce weapon of those times. It was like these centurion tanks that the British have sent over to the Ukraine. They said, we need, we can't win without these tanks. The chariots were a powerful weapon in those days. But the king recognized something. He said, if we have Elisha on our side, he's worth all the chariots of Syria. Why did he say that? Because he knew the story of the time when Elisha was in a town near the border and the chariots of Syria came and swept round the town and the servant of Elisha said, look, look out the window. Can you see what's happened? Alas, O man of God, we're helpless, we're powerless, we're surrounded by the enemy. Elisha wasn't disturbed at all. He just said a short prayer, Lord, open the eyes of my servant. The next time the servant looked out, he saw beyond the Syrian chariots thousands of flaming chariots with angels and horsemen. And then he knew nothing to fear. It was the chariots and the horsemen of Elisha. And these were with Israel as long as Elisha was alive. And it spelt victory after victory and protection for the people of God. Friends, don't you need chariots like that? We need these spiritual chariots, don't we? We are surrounded by all kinds of evil. It's flooding in like the chariots of the Syrians. Everywhere you look, even our children are being attacked by these chariots of this modern satanic ideology that's engulfing our nation. Nobody seems to be able to stop it. You see it everywhere. These flags are everywhere. We're invaded, friends. But remember this. The chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Oh yes, Elisha may not be with us. But these horsemen and chariots are still on our side, friends. Open your eyes. And you'll see that we have the weapons of Elisha today. He had access to the infinite power of Almighty God. 
And then the next weapon of Elisha is the bow. There was the king, weeping tears over the face of the dying prophet. It seems as if there was no hope now, because without Elisha, what could he do? The Syrians seemed to be getting stronger and stronger. What did Elisha say? Take a bow and some arrows. Take a bow. That was good advice. There must have been a bow and arrows there in the house. Elisha seemed to have something there for any eventuality. Though he's a man of the Spirit and of God, he still believed in the ordinary means that God has provided. And so he said to the king, take a bow. Isn't that what God is saying to us? Take a bow. Perhaps you heard, boys and girls, of William Tell. Do you know that name? William Tell. He was a famous Swiss from Switzerland. Way back in the old days, Switzerland was oppressed and invaded by the Austrians. And they lost everything. And there's one man, William Tell, who decided, I'm not going to accept this. I'm going to fight back. And he was a wonderful man with a bow. In those days, he used crossbows. And he was a very accurate bowman and shooter with a crossbow. But he was captured. And he was taunted by the leader of the Austrians. You know what happened? This is what happened. He had one boy. He had one boy that he loved. Are you listening? This boy was put at the end of the 100 yards away. Not, not 150 yards away. And all the Austrians were surrounding them. And... William Tell was given a bow and two arrows. And they put an apple on the head of the little boy. And they said to him, If you want your life to be spared, shoot that apple and split it in two. And we'll forgive you. We'll let you off. So William Tell took up his bow crossbow and he put the one arrow in the bow and he shot the arrow wasn't that a very very dangerous thing what if he'd hit his little boy of course that's what they wanted to happen but you see William Tell was so clever and so accurate that he split the apple in two and the boy was saved and you know what he did he took the second arrow and he turned round and he shot the cruel tyrant. And while the people gathered round him, William Tell took his boy and ran away and began a great deliverance. It was an arrow of deliverance. So this is what Alicia said, take your bow. And you've got a bow, friends. We've got a bow. We've got a bow given to us by God by which we can counterattack we can demolish 
the lies and deceptions of our time. It's the bow of God's word. We can go to the great doctrines of God. That God is the sovereign creator. He doesn't believe in climate change, except when he's in charge. He knows everything that's going on. He sees the shallow sham of what's going on in these days. And he gives us the bow of truth. He gives us the bow of the word of God by which we can shoot the arrows of the gospel and shoot, as the psalm says, the enemies of the king. Are you taking that bow every day, boys and girls? Are you reading your Bible? Are you getting strength there to oppose the temptations and lies of our time? He took the arrows as well. After he'd shot that first arrow, the arrow of deliverance, the promised deliverance, that's what it was. It was a prophecy. It was a prophecy that God's people will never be defeated. They will win in the end. But then he said, take the arrows that you have there and strike the ground. What's the use of that? Arrows are for shooting, not for striking. But of course, this was an act of faith. This wasn't an act of aggression. It was an act of faith. It was an act of faith in the word of Elisha. Elisha was saying, if you do and trust in what I say and the word that I receive from God, then you must go by faith in what I am telling you. And so he used, he said, strike the ground with the arrows. And he struck. But you know, friends, that he struck three times, that was good, but it wasn't enough. That's what you and I must do. We must take the arrows of God's truth and we must apply them to the ground, to the world, to the realities of this life and prove that they are a message from God to defeat all his and our enemies. Will you shoot an arrow today? If you're tempted by the devil, if you are beset by doubts of any kind, take an arrow of God's promise and shoot it at that doubt, that false word, that false message from the devil, and you will win. You will get deliverance. These are the weapons of Elisha. And I want you to take these weapons with you and to use them wherever you need them. Turn them against every foe to your faith and to your, the kingdom of God. But then there's the hands of Elisha. Let's look. There's a lesson here too, friends. There's a lesson in the hands of Elisha. And you and I need these hands of Elisha. You say, what are these hands? A dying man. Feeble, trembling hands. What's the use of that? Are you forgetting are you forgetting what these hands had done? Remember at the beginning of Elisha's ministry? Don't you remember that when he followed Elijah down to the river Jordan, the mighty prophet of fire, that Elijah said, I'll be leaving you today. Elisha said, I want to see it happen. 
And they went from place to place. Then they went down to the edge of the river Jordan. And Elijah used his mantle to open. He swept his mantle on the water. It opened up. He crossed the mighty river Jordan. On the other side, it was then that the fire, fiery chariot came from heaven and the horsemen and the whirlwind and they swept Elijah away and Elijah saw it. But you know this, as Elijah went up, the mantle, the miraculous mantle, if I can call it that, fell down. The hand of Elisha reached out and took that mantle. He went back to the river and with that hand of Elisha, the mantle was rolled up and applied to the water. And as he applied it to the water, the water opened up by the mantle in the hand of Elisha. The mantle wouldn't have done it in its own. It's because it was in the hand of the prophet following in the footsteps of his master. Or you remember, I mentioned this already. Remember the time when the little boy died? He was put up in the loft where Elisha used to stay on the prophet's bed. And when the prophet came, the poor heartbroken mother got the boy back. Why? Because when Elisha went up, we read that he put his eyes on the boy's eyes. He put his lips on the boy's lips and he put his hands these hands of the prophet were put on the hands of the boy. He wouldn't have done if he hadn't put his hands on the hands of the boy. All of that had to be completed because the hands were the sign of the prophet's power. And when he did that, the boy came alive. The dead boy was alive. These are the hands that you need, friends. When you're feeling the leaden weight, the deadening weight of your sin, the deadening weight of unbelief around you, the deadening weight of temptation and of the devil and all the enemies of the kingdom of darkness, friends, you need the hands, the miraculous hands of Elisha that give, bring life to the dead. And these very same hands were now put on top of the hands of the king. And the king shot the arrow. Not with his own hands alone, but under the shelter, under the power, under the blessing of the hands of the man of God. Friends, do you need these hands today? You need the hands of the prophet. Of course, I'm not talking about little hands. I'm talking about the account that we have of God's mighty works as he worked out his purpose for his people. You can. You have access to that same power. The power of Elijah. But above all, you have the hands Rather, the hands of the Lord Jesus. The hands of Elijah did so much. But think of the hands of Jesus. He, how he touched the sick and the leper. 
and healed them. And then at length these hands were stretched out on the cross, pierced with the nails. Friends, do you have faith in these hands? Do you have faith that these hands and these feet, that head and that pierced breast are sufficient to save you? It's these hands of the greatest man of God. Yes, the Son of Man, the Son of God himself. You need these hands upon you, don't you, today? And that's what will happen. If you take up the bow, if you take up the arrows, if you take up service for the Lord, you'll find that you have these supernatural hands. The hands of redemption. The hands that use that accept poor sinners, the hands that took up the little children and blessed them, the hands which he showed to Thomas and said, Behold, my hands and my feet, put your finger into the nail print. Friends, are you trusting in these hands that won a salvation for you? But lastly, friends, there's the bones of Elisha. The bones of Elisha. Elisha has spoken his last word and, bre- and breathed his last breath. And they take with sorrow the dead, lifeless body of the man of God. They find a tomb and they put him there to rest. Oh, what grief and Almost despair takes over the people of God. What's going to happen now? Oh, the story's not finished yet, is it? Because here we read of the bones of Elisha. First of all, we look at the resting bones. We see how they treated Elisha with reverence and respect. He didn't have any brothers or sisters. He didn't have any sons or daughters or grandchildren. But because of the power of his message, the authority with which he spoke, the great calling from heaven, the people did all their utmost to give rest to the bones of Elisha. They were living in dangerous times. There were raiders coming in, but they found a quiet rest for the bones of Elisha. You know, friends, there's a message here for us too. We must treat with respect what's left us from our fathers and forefathers. What do we have? We've got this book. We've got this book. And here in this book, we have the relics, you could say, of Elisha. We have the record of his power. Why? If we repeat it with respect, we must honor the scriptures, not only of the prophet Elisha, but all the prophets and the Psalms and the apostles. Oh, that people today would honor and respect this book. Are you honoring this book, friends, day by day? Are you taking it up in the morning? Are you making it your guide and strength? 
Are you preserving it? There's some churches that are, have dismantled this book. I read recently of a, a Presbyterian university. And when the students arrived, the professor said, Do you see this book? And he took up a Bible. And he began to tear pages out of it and throw them around. He said, this is what we think of this book. A Presbyterian. We didn't do that. God has left to you this relic, this deposit of the prophets and the apostles. And we must preserve it and keep it. Why? Well, that's what we read. When we read when we rest these bones, when we respect these bones, then we will get life from these bones. You say, this is unbelievable. This man who'd been died, it was a corpse, was put in down, and when he touched the bones of Elisha, he came alive again. Is this some kind of magic? No, friends, it was a message. It was the last message from God about the prophet Elisha. It was the message that although he is dead, although Paul is dead, though Moses is dead, what they've left us comes alive and makes you, gives life to you. This is the Bible giving life to your soul. When you read it each morning, when you hear the minister preach it, is it pumping life? And spirit into your soul. So that's what we mean by the bones of Elisha. We mean the legacy. The record that God has engrossed. And deposited in his truth. And what power there is there for us today. Does it not stir your soul to think. That you can take these weapons of Elisha. You can feel these hands of Elisha, or rather these hands of the crucified one. You can take these bones of Elisha, take your Bible, the legacy left by the apostles and prophets which God has given to us to bring life to the dead. Do you not feel a bit deadened in your soul? Of course you are. You are dead except you receive this source of life. It's only, it's the word that gives life. It gives spirit, this word is spirit and life to those who will take it and touch it. Are you touching the bones of Elisha today? Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank thee that That mighty man was your instrument in his time to drive back the enemies of the people of God. And oh, what enemies and oh, what a warfare we have to fight at the spiritual level today. Grant us, Lord, to lay hold on these weapons and to know that the hands of the crucified one will be on our hands as we manfully wage war for the king and his kingdom and for his righteousness and prosper the word here in this place and may we take it with us 
as we respect it and as we feel its life-giving power. O grant us this through our living Lord, risen, resurrected Lord Jesus, as we ask in his name. Amen. Let us close now by singing in Psalm 46. The last verses are verses 7 to 11 of Psalm 46. The Lord of hosts upon our side doth constantly remain, the God of Jacob's our refuge, us safely to maintain. Come and behold what wondrous works have by the Lord been wrought. Come and see what desolations he on the earth hath brought. And so to the end of Psalm 46, the Lord of hosts upon our side.
experience. Rest upon you, now and forever.